Welcome to the Prophecy Club. You may be saying, so Stan, why are you playing these broadcasts having to do with America's occult holidays? The answer is because I don't want you to, how do I say this, to break the laws of the Lord. And that is by putting up a Christmas tree, doing this whole Santa Claus thing, and many of the other things surrounding Christmas and many of our other American holidays are actually based upon the occult. I want you to understand that. I stopped putting up a Christmas tree uh, 25 years ago. Oh, my goodness. When you understand what the Christmas tree is and also that wreath, that round decorated thing that people hang on their front door, when you understand that the Christmas tree is a phallic symbol and that wreath that you hang on your front door is the female genitalia, when you understand the occult behind that, you would never, ever, ever do such a terrible thing. But we do it because, well, our parents did it and the parents before them and all of our friends do it, but we haven't really thought what it really means, and that it offends our Lord. We haven't understood that the Christmas tree decorated is really worshiping another god and putting our gifts under the tree is exactly what the pagans did in the preach-off between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. If you go in to read your Bible, you'll discover that one of the things that angers God the most is worshiping underneath a tree. Brothers and sisters, it's really bad, really bad from Stephen Dollins. Now, this guy was an ex-Satanist high priest of the Church of Satan. He reveals the origins behind Christmas, Easter, Halloween, and other things. I want you to listen. I want you to get this offer. We've made an amazing offer, five DVDs, four titles, all having to do with the occult, not only around our holidays, but also, as a matter of fact, another one by Steve Dollins is a cult in your living room. I dare say that Steve Dollins could walk through your house today, and you would be shocked at what you have in your house that is opening doors to occult, to satanic activity. Look, do you have trouble sleeping at night? Do you have bad dreams? Do your children have bad dreams? Do they wake up in the middle of the night screaming? Well, then you have an open door, my brothers and sisters. I would dare say that Steve Dollins could walk through the house of the average person listening right now, and he could probably fill a garbage sack full of things in your house that you did not know had to do with the occult, had to do with opening doors to the occult in your house. (laughs) you got to get yourself informed. So again, five DVDs, four titles, valued at $140, all for a gift of just $40. Tell you more at the end of the program. Go to prophecyclub.com to find out more about it right now. Let's go and listen to Steve Dollins talk about occult holidays revealed. And by the way, Yuletide is when the uh, waves would roll up onto the shore and being affected by the moon during this time. And as the waves got wider on the shore, what they would do would be to put sticks uh, along the shore or posts. And then however uh, far up the tide came, and covered up that particular post or stick, what that meant was what kind of a year you were going to have. So it was a form of divination. And we still sing them in things like Troll the Ancient Yuletide Carol, uh, See the Blazing Yule Before Us, Deck the Halls, you know, Silent Night. And we talk about Yule, and we talk about Yuletide carols. And it, it amazes me that even Christian artists still sing these, these Christian carols, 
and they put them on their, their Christmas CDs and, and really singing about them. And what they're doing is they're glorifying this time of divination. And in the Celtic tradition, the Yule log was decorated with holly and evergreen strands, and then it was set ablaze at sunset. So what you would do would be to take this Yule log, and you would set it on fire, and it would burn all night until sunrise the following morning. And that, again, was to commemorate whether or not you were going to have a good year or not, the way that the Yule log burned. And it was also in commemoration of human sacrifices that were done on Samhain. Now, the Roman Catholic Church believed that it had the authority to change dates and times, and what they did was they changed the celebration of the winter solstice to December 25th, and renamed it Christ Mass, or Christmas. And in the school system today, it's amazing that in order to be politically correct, you can't mention the name Christ. In fact, you can't even go into a store, supposedly anymore, and even wish somebody a Merry Christmas because you are, have the name Christ in that particular phrase. So you have to be politically correct, and so now schools have dances instead of being a Christmas dance, it's called a solstice dance, or it's referred to as an equinox, winter equinox. So they may have a winter equinox prom. Okay, not a Christmas prom, but a winter equinox prom. And again, it's all going back to the guise of witchcraft, paganism. In Latin, and I thought this was really interesting, so I looked it up. And in Latin, Christi means Christ, while mas, M-A-S, means mass. And in Catholicism, during a mass, what they do, our prayers are spoken, they go out uh, to the dead saints of the church And in this way, pagan masses do the same thing. And so a mass commemorates death or passing on. Therefore, if we say Christmas, what it literally means is death of Christ. So when we say Merry Christmas, what you're actually saying is Merry Death of Christ. December 25th is also a a celebration in Roman Roman, uh, history called Saturnalia. And Saturnalia, as it was called by the Romans at the time, was excessive drinking, and they had all-out orgies. It was a time of revelry. It was a time just to let your, your guard down, so to speak. Undo your tie, loosen up, and whatever inhibitions you had, you just basically let them go. It was also known in Babylon as the birthday of Tammuz, who was declared to be Nimrod, and that was the evil ruler of the, the city called Babylon, And it was said that he was reincarnated as a child and born of a virgin birth. And through his mother and his wife, he he married his mother and took her as his wife. And that was Semiramis. And so Saturnalia was also a practice of celebrating the birthday of Tammuz, who was Nimrod. Now, the exact day of the birth of Jesus cannot be verified. So we have to ask ourselves, why is this date designated as that day? Even scholars and historians cannot agree on a particular day that Jesus was born. You won't find it anywhere in in history books. You won't find it anywhere in in, uh, uh, any kind of culture where they say that they know the exact birth date of Jesus Christ. 
However, we do know that it was not on December 25th. So why is this date designated as that day? Let's look at some facts. Fact, we are not told or commanded by the word of God or the Lord Jesus himself to celebrate his birth. It's not in scripture. In fact, the only thing that we are told or instructed to do is to remember his death on the cross and what he did for us in remembrance of him. And that's why we do communion, in remembrance of him. But we are not told in scripture at any point in time that we are to celebrate his birth or that his birth was really that important. Fact, Jesus' birth was not celebrated by the disciples of the early church. In fact, the first celebration of the birth of Jesus didn't occur until the 4th century. So even from the time that the, old, the, the uh, uh, New Testament churches were beginning to be established, they didn't participate and they didn't celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ the Lord. And, you know, it, it's kind of, when we look at those, that it, it's kind of um, interesting to see that Paul, being someone who was so focused on wanting the church to be the follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, it wanted to be the, you know, Jesus had said that he's coming back for the new bride, the bride that's clean. And Paul wanted a church that followed God's ways no matter what. Um, I look at Paul as probably being a prophet because, again, he didn't sugarcoat anything. He told it the way it was and he told them what they were going to do and why they should do it. And isn't it interesting that Paul never told anyone in Galatians, Philippians, any of those churches to celebrate Jesus' birth, or to put a day aside to celebrate Jesus' birth. Fact. Another fact is that Jesus was not born on December 25th. Now look at this. In Luke 2.1, you'll find this scripture. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Now, December in the Middle East is the rainy season. And if you've ever been to the Middle East or, or seen pictures of the Middle East, when the rains come, the ground gets really, really treacherous. And it's impossible for someone to travel on foot or even on horse across the land in order to pay taxes. So historians believe that Caesar would not have forced his people to travel during the worst part of the year so that he could collect taxes. He wouldn't get as many as he, as he thought he was going to get. People would rebel because they were being made to do something that was absolutely extremely difficult. And so it is believed that Caesar didn't call for taxation during this time. Now, going on, Luke 2, 8 through 11, look at this. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now, everybody looks at that scripture. And we've read that scripture over and over again, but there's something that we didn't see in it. To this day, from October to April, the sheep are confined in a corral. 
the shepherds would not be in the field watching over their flocks because the flock would not be in the field. Are you starting to see? And there would not be any shepherds in the field keeping over the, watch over their flocks in December. Because remember, December is what? The rainy season. I'm not going to be sitting in the field at night in the rain watching a sheep. Another fact is that Jesus' birth was established by Roman Emperor Constantine. Remember good old Constantine? He wanted to keep everybody happy. And so what he did was he declared Christianity the state, the Roman state religion, even though he wasn't Christian. And he appeased the heathens as well as the Christian church and declared December 25th, Saturnalia, to be the birth date of the Son of God. And that's how December 25th came about. It was designated by Constantine. It wasn't designated by the rule of God or the early church. And that's why the church did not celebrate 25th December to be Jesus' birth. They knew. They knew. So in order to coincide with the birth of the sun god, worshipped by the pagans, and that was Nimrod, known as Tammuz. So you see how that all ties in. Another fact is that the word of God warns us against observing special days or times of the year. Now in Galatians 4, 10 through 11, we read this. Ye observe days and months and times and years. And look what he says. I'm afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. In other words, we've told you these things and you're still doing them. I'm afraid of you. And why would he say, I'm afraid of you? Because he's afraid they're going to stray away from the truth, that they won't hold on to the truth. And John 8, 32 clearly says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free, not set you free because he's set. When you say I set, I'm set free, it means that something happens in the moment. When you're made free, it's forever. When something's made, it's made to last. In Egypt, the son of the Egyptian queen of the heavens was called Isis. And it was said that she was born during this time, the time of the winter solstice. And in ancient Babylon, it's said that the ruthless dictator Nimrod married his mother, Semiramis. And when he died, Semiramis went and burned his body on the altar and declared that Nimrod was going to be reincarnated or reborn again in a baby. And he would come back as a child. And Nimrod had declared his mother to be the queen of heaven. In America, a celebration of the birth of Christ, the actual date falls nowhere near December 25th. Scholars and historians place this date near spring or early summer. Because remember, from October through April, there are no sheep in the fields. From from that time, in ancient times, to today, that still holds true. The earlier church rulers proposed a set of nativity on that date in order to overshadow the pagan holiday. So now you start to get the nativity where it pictures Joseph and Mary, you know, looking over the Christ child being born. And there's the the three wise men standing there. How many know that the three wise men, it took them years to get to where Jesus was born. They weren't just happened to come overnight and they didn't, it wasn't a 20 minute ride on a camel, okay, to get there. It took them years to get there. And they did this in order to overshadow 
the celebration of Saturnalia and to draw the pagans away from all their practices and toward Christian principles. And what they actually did was they opened up the door now for this pagan belief to come down and filter into the Christian church, and that's where we have the practices that we have now. The traditions, the customs, the way that we celebrate Christmas all comes and stems from December 25th, and not the day that Jesus was born, but all these other revelries, celebrations. Another aspect of Christmas is the Christmas tree. Oh, this was great. This was great. I mean, you know, families, they look forward to Christmas because that's the time when you're going to go out and you're going to get the biggest, tallest, greenest tree that you can find. I mean, you want one of those things where it almost reaches to the ceiling, but when you get through putting the star on there, you know, it doesn't quite bend over and drop to the floor. But you want the biggest one and you want the best one. And you'll spend all day long decorating it putting lights on it, putting candles on it, putting strings on it, you know, uh, even popping popcorn and putting that on there. We never, we never lasted with popcorn because I ate it before they got on the tree. But, you know, and, and we just want that thing just to shine and we glorify it. And remember, in order to get a belief system in, you have to take the place of something. You have to glorify something else. The Christmas tree is a form of worship, the evergreen. In paganism, the tree is looked upon as an object or symbol of worship. It's referred to as a phallic symbol in a lot of cultures because of the shape of it. Uh, In Egypt, it's called the balm tree. And look at this, look at that word, Baal Tamar. Now, where have we heard that Baal before? The ancient god. Rome, it was with the fir tree or called Baal Berith. Look at Jeremiah 10, verse 3 through 4. Look what God says. For the customs of the people are vain. He's talking about vanity. For one cutteth a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen, with an axe. They deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. And brothers and sisters, isn't that exactly what we do with the Christmas tree? We adorn it. We want the best one that's available. And we want to, we want to, even sometimes we even put it in the window so it'll shine to the street so people riding by will see it. And we think that that glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. I said before, the church is in serious, serious trouble. Particularly in America, people have been led to believe that this custom and practicing uh, of, of adorning a tree actually honors God. And nothing could be further from the truth. The silver and the gold have been replaced with bright, colorful, blinking lights and shiny tinsel and ornaments. And we even put candles in the windows. And you wonder where that candle from the window came from? We'll look at it, or we'll look at it a little bit later on. But so that you know, in the Celtic religion, what they would do on the night of Samhain in order to guide the spirits in, Remember, the spirits have come back on that night, and what they would do would be, if they have a loved one that was wandering the earth, they wanted him to find the house, and so what they would do would be to light a candle and put it in the window of that manor or house so that the spirit could come home. And we usher in that spirit when we do these things. We're putting candles, we're putting, we're putting lights in the windows, and that's exactly where that practice came from. But see, we don't question it. We've lost We've lost our spiritual muscle. We've lost the ability to discern things. 
And what God is calling his people for today, to do today, is to sharpen that discernment. Because without that discernment, we're going to be lost. We're going to be deceived like we've never been deceived before. Those things are elemental in, in the practice of Christmas. And in Satanism, these people will take the five-pointed stars and they will turn them upside down so the two points are facing up and they will put them on their house. And a lot of people, I've, I've driven by some of these houses before uh, where you would look on the house and I, and I started questioning why that star was that way. And what that is, is they're, they're symbolizing Christmas, the death of Christ. The sacred tree of the winter God, that's what you're looking at now. This is the sacred tree of the winter God. And what you see is, you see how there's no branches on there. It's all one entity. And the balls are basically part of the tree. Again, it's a phallic symbol. And the Druids, the mighty men of Oak, believed that the spirit of their gods resided in the tree. Now, you look at that today and you sit there and you go, oh, that's, that's crazy. You know, we don't believe that. There's no belief in today that, that spirits live in the trees. Oh, really? Let me tell you a little story about a mission that uh, we went on uh, several years ago. Uh, a, a fellow prophet called me and said, I want you, we're getting a ministry team together, and we're going to go down to Texas, and we're going to go to an Indian reservation. And the, the pastor was a, an Assembly of God uh, pastor, and what was happening was he was having trouble keeping his people in the church because here the people, the Indian people, were going to church and learning about Jesus on Sunday, but then Monday through Friday they were going back to their old traditions. And so they, he was having a, a problem in keeping, the, keeping them to follow the Scripture and following the ways of the church because they were going back and embracing their old ways and their old practices. And we, we got there, and he took us for a, a little tour of the reservation. And when we first pulled in, we saw a casino. And I said, oh, you guys have got a casino. He said, no, we sh- they shut that down. He said, because all the Indians, the, the people on the reservation were coming home drunk, and it was stealing their money. And we started driving around, and I started noticing that there were lines of trees. And there'd be like one, two, three trees. And then the next tree would have a big yellow circle around the trunk of the tree. And you'd go by and there'd be like three or four more trees and then another tree with another big yellow circle around the trunk. And I said, uh, is, it, is there something special about those trees? And he said, yes. He said, our people believe that, and they're taught from childhood, that there are little people that live in those trees. And that if you cut down one of those trees, the little people will get revenge and they will come down and harm you. And I said, Really? And he said, yes, he said, I have a couple in church whose son was killed. And he said, what happened was they were coming home and they'd been drinking. They were teenagers. They'd been drinking. They were coming home. They came onto the reservation and there's like winding roads going uh, all around the reservation and they're, they're dirt roads. And he said they were coming home and he was bringing his girlfriend home. And just as he turned around the corner, the car went out of control, hit a ravine. They rolled over and it said it, it put him or her in the hospital uh, severely injured, but it killed him. And the parents told the church the next Sunday that they were quitting because they had angered the little gods in the trees. So do they still believe this? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and, and, and it just goes to show you again, if we don't have discernment, we're going we're gonna to be deceived greatly. 
And these ancient practices have even found their way into the very core of our government. Even our government now practices these traditions and customs in the White House. What you're going to see is you're going to see a 2003 Christmas tree, White House Christmas tree. And this thing is 15 feet tall. I mean, they wanted the best, right? Because if you're the president of the United States, you want the best and you want the biggest and you want the most blinkiest. What do they they call it? Bling? Blingiest? And this tree was complete with special ornaments. And look what some of the ornaments on this tree were. Harry Potter. Well, sure. I mean, after all, I mean, Laura Bush is the one who said that uh, this was her favorite book her favorite book series, and Laura Bush was the one who talked to the school systems and got it into the school system, integrated into the school system, and then your children were required to read Harry Potter in school because it was so great and because children were reading again. So you see old good old Harry, and right there on his shoulder is the owl, which is another symbol of divination called a familiar spirit where they believe that the spirits of these gods or different different beings would actually live inside the animal and they would direct your your uh, business they would be able to you would be able to consult them because they know the future here's hillary clinton good old hillary standing in front of a 13 foot tall christmas tree along with some congress people doesn't she look pretty and again it's it's all celebrating celtic tradition let's look at santa claus if you're going to impersonate God, you have to have the same attributes that God has. Well, let's look at good old Santa, because he has some of those same attributes. First of all, he's omnipresent. Sure he is. That's how he gets from your house to somebody else's house clear across the world. I used to ask my mom, you know, how, did, how does he get all around the world in one night? And her only expression back was, he's magical. He's all-knowing. Remember that? He knows if you've been sleeping. He knows if you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. Everybody can now do, you be good for goodness sake. Okay, there you go. That make you feel good, Robert. And notice that he also rewards the good and punishes the bad. And isn't that like the judgment of God? And aren't those the same attributes as God? Omnipresent, all-knowing, all-powerful. Who really is this man we call Santa? And what do we really know about him? We have to ask those questions. Well, the Bible teaches us that Satan's primary attack is on those that are the most vulnerable. Now, I'm going to interrupt the broadcast right there, but I don't want you to stop listening because it's very important that you, how do I say this, that you not offend the Lord, that you not break his laws. Look, how can you expect God to bless you when you have a Christmas tree in your house, when you're doing Halloween? When you're doing Easter and trick-or-treat and some of these other things that the Bible says are so wrong, how can you expect the blessings and the protection of God when you do that? Well, you don't count on it. So you need to get yourself informed. That's the reason we got five DVDs. One's a double DVD. Five DVDs, four titles, valued $140 for a gift of $40. It's called the Occult Holiday Gift Offer. Yes, go get it. You will be shocked. Again, I promise you, Steve Dollins could probably walk through most people's houses. I, I, I'm going to say it this way. I don't think that there's a person listening that could 
stand a walkthrough by Steve Dollins in your house and him not find something that was a cult. Yeah, 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 I know you got... (laughs) You got the I love the Lord things hanging up. I know, I understand. You got the Bibles laying out. What you don't understand is is the things that are in your house, some of them very, very innocent, that are really occulted. Get yourself informed. Five DVDs, four titles, $140 value today for a gift of $40, prophecyclub.com, prophecyclub.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for prayers. And yes, we still, as a matter of fact, we don't exist because we're offering DVDs. But we exist because of your prayers and your generous donations. Thank you. God bless. Now from the Prophecy Club, some exciting opportunities for you. Go visit WatchProphecyClub.com where you can watch over 160 Prophecy Club titles for an introductory monthly recurring subscription of just $20 a month, or a yearly subscription for $200. The early $200 subscription is the best deal because it locks in your rate against increases in monthly subscriptions. That's WatchProphecyClub.com. You'll love the format. It's easy to watch, and the quality is great. WatchProphecyClub.com. WatchProphecyClub.com. Go check it out today.